Section 6 of No Animal Food and Nutrition and Diet with Vegetable Recipes by Rupert H. Weldon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 6, No Animal Food, Chapter 6, The Exclusion of Dairy Produce. It is unfortunate that many flesh abstainers who agree with the general trend of the foregoing arguments do not realize that these same arguments also apply to abstinence from those animal foods known as dairy produce. In considering this further aspect, it is necessary for reasons already given to place hygienic considerations first. Is it reasonable to suppose that nature ever intended the milk of the cow or the egg of the fowl for the use of man as food? Can anyone deny that nature intended the cow's milk for the nourishment of her calf and the hen's egg for the propagation of her species? It is begging the question to say that the cow furnishes more milk than her calf requires, or that it does not injure the hen to steal her eggs. Besides, it is not true. Regarding the dietetic value of milk and eggs, which is the question of first importance, are we correct in drawing the inference that as nature did not intend these foods for man, therefore they are not suitable for him? As far as the chemical constituents of these foods are concerned, it is true they contain compounds essential to the nourishment of the human body, and if this is going to be set up as an argument in favor of their consumption, let it be remembered that flesh food also contains compounds essential to nourishment. But the point is this, not what valuable nutritive compounds does any food substance contain, but what value, taking into consideration its total effects, has the food in question as a wholesome article of diet. It seems to be quite generally acknowledged by the medical profession that raw milk is a dangerous food on account of the fact that it is liable from various causes, sometimes inevitable, to contain impurities. Dr. Kellogg writes, Typhoid fever, cholera and phantom, tuberculosis and tubercular consumption, three of the most deadly diseases known. It is very probable also that diphtheria, scarlet fever, and several other maladies are communicated through the medium of milk. It is safe to say that very few people indeed are fully acquainted with the dangers to life and health which lurk in the milk supply. The teeming millions of China, a country which contains nearly one-third of the entire population of the globe, are practically ignorant of this article of food. The high-class Hindu regards milk as a loathsome and impure article of food, speaking of it with the greatest contempt as cow juice, doubtless because of his observations of the deleterious effect of the use of milk in its raw state. The germs of tuberculosis seem to be the most dangerous in milk, for they thrive and retain their vitality for many weeks, even in butter and cheese. An eminent German authority, Hirschberger, is said to have found 10% of the cows in the vicinity of large cities to be affected by tuberculosis. Many other authorities might be quoted supporting the contention that a large percentage of cows are afflicted by this deadly disease. Other germs, quite as dangerous, find their way into milk in numerous ways. Excreta, clinging to the hairs of the udder, are frequently rubbed off into the pail by the action of the hand whilst milking. Under the most careful sanitary precautions, it is impossible to obtain milk free from manure, from the ordinary germs of putrefaction to the most deadly microbes known to science. 
there is little doubt but that milk is one of the uncleanest and impurest of all foods. Milk is constipating, and as constipation is one of the commonest complaints, a preventive may be found in abstinence from this food. As regards eggs, there is perhaps not so much to be said, although eggs so quickly undergo a change akin to putrefaction that unless eaten fresh they are unfit for food. Moreover, according to Dr. Haig, they contain a considerable amount of xanthins and cannot, therefore, be considered a desirable food. Dairy foods, we emphatically affirm, are not necessary to health. In the section dealing with physical considerations, sufficient was said to prove the eminent value of an exclusive vegetable diet, and the reader is referred to that and the subsequent essay on nutrition and diet for proof that man can and should live without animal food of any kind. Such nutritive properties as are possessed by milk and eggs are abundantly found in the vegetable kingdom. The table of comparative values given exhibits this quite plainly. That man can live a thoroughly healthy life upon vegetable foods alone there is ample evidence to prove, and there is good cause to believe that milk and eggs not only are quite unnecessary, but are foods unsuited to the human organism, and may be, and often are, the cause of disease. Of course, it is recognized that with scrupulous care this danger can be minimized to a great extent, but still, it is always there, and as there is no reason why we should consume such foods, is it not foolish to continue to do so? But this is not all. It is quite as impossible to consume dairy produce without slaughter as it is to eat flesh without slaughter. There are probably as many bulls born as cows. One bull, for breeding purposes, suffices for many cows and lives for many years, so what is to be done with the bull calves if our humanitarian scruples debar us from providing a vocation for the butcher? The country would soon be overrun with vast herds of wild animals, and the whole populace would have to take to arms for self-preservation. So it comes to the same thing. If we did not breed these animals for their flesh, or milk, or eggs, or labor, we should have no use for them, and so should breed them no longer, and they would quickly become extinct. The wild goat and sheep and the feathered life might survive indefinitely in mountainous districts, but large animals that are not domesticated or bred for slaughter soon disappear before the approach of civilization. The Irish elk is extinct, and the buffalo of North America has been wiped out during quite recent years. If leather became more expensive, much of it is derived from horsehide, manufacturers of leather substitutes would have a better market than they have at present. End of section 6